What's up, everybody? It is your boy, Kyle Conkeel, here with another episode of the Just STFU podcast. Today, I have my buddy, Ryan Van Puderoyen, former drummer of DDP and Devin Townsend Band, now drummer of a monolith. So be sure to go check out their stuff. Add a monolith band on Instagram. You can find them on Facebook. Anyways, I'm not going to talk your ear off again. If you want to sponsor an episode of the podcast, you can hit me up on my socials at KSConkeel, Instagram and Twitter, or you can send me an email at JustSTFUPodcast at gmail.com. But let's get right into it. Here's my conversation with RVP. Ryan Van Puderoon. Am I saying that right? Close, man. Close. Ryan <laughs> Ryan Van Puderoyen. Oh, okay. Van yeah. Puderoyen. Yeah. Oh. And the fun the funny thing is uh whenever I tour Holland, Dutch people say it ten times better than I do, man. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll just go with R V P so I don't so <laughs> that's what that's what everyone does, man. Yeah. Dude, so how have you been, man? I've been good. You know, it's like uh, COVID's messed up all of our lives in the music industry. But uh, I've been very busy with session work, uh, recording records and stuff for for different bands. And then uh, I'm teaching lots. I have lots of online students around the world. And then I also teach through two schools here in Vancouver. So it's kept me very busy and I'm, I'm very lucky. I'm very grateful that uh i'm still able to do you know make my living off music one way or another that's dope dude how how is canada right now because you know america is kind of a shit show yeah it's it's getting bad up here man uh for the longest while like the first six seven months it was pretty good but the second wave hit that they're predicting mm-hmm. and shit's blowing up man it's yeah. Just, it's yeah like i know this is, doesn't sound like a lot to you probably with with what's going down in the states but um for example uh we, we'd average if, if you know maybe 50 cases a day we got it down to like you know really low numbers and just recently over the past month month and a half we're blowing up to like 750 a day Jeez. so yeah it just went fucking crazy over here right so well i mean yeah. a lot of people don't realize that like Canada, inhabitable Canada is like what, like 20 to 30 million people? If 30 that. million, yeah. Yeah. So all of Canada, for how big Canada is, is there's only New York State. <laughs> yeah. Like for how big Canada is, population wise, I mean, there's more people in the lower half of California than there yep. is in Canada. Yep. So for you guys to be having numbers like that, and, you know, a town like Los Angeles, which is like, I don't even know. I think it's like 12,000 cases per day now. Yeah. Yeah, it's insane. And I think like the lower half of like most of L.A. County, if you were to add L.A. County and Orange County together, I think that's like 20 million people. Yeah. But L.A. itself, I think is like 10, 10 to 12 million people. Yeah. So, yeah, 
we're, we're not we're not doing too good over here. You know what I mean? Um, but I actually uh, I was able to get Ash Ash Pe- uh, Pearson on yeah. here to to do a podcast, and you know we were talking about uh, um, you know DDP and strapping and and stuff like that. And uh, I know you were in you were in Devin Townsend Band. You were in Devin Townsend Project. You worked with Dev for for a really long time, but now you're doing a monolith. Yep. So, and then a monolith has Beave, who is also was he was he in the Devin Townsend band too? Yep. He he played guitar in Devin Townsend band, and then he played bass in Devin Townsend, Devin Townsend projects. Project. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, have you guys been able to really do anything this year? You have you guys written any any new music? Like, what's going on with uh with a monolith? Well, yeah, I'll tell you, man, it's like for a brand new band where we started our own label to put it out, we talked to labels and stuff, but man, just the deals are just how the hell are you supposed to do anything? I won't even get into that part of it, but we were lucky because we had business partners and we started our own label and, uh, and then we got the album done release date of March 27th, 2020 headlining, uh, Europe. Uh, European tour and UK um, was set up for March 27th, the day the album was released. It, dude, it was fucking planned perfectly, right? Yeah. Ticket sales were going good. People were pumped. Bam, COVID hit, and it yeah. just it just fucked everything, man. Just completely threw us on our backs. Like there's nothing you can do. Like every other single band, you know. It's like I'm sure Bad Wolves, you guys are are tearing it up, man, and that sucks to get hit like that when you guys are on a roll, you know what I mean? And so that happened to us and we're a brand new band trying to get our name out there and our names out there, but dude, it's, it took a big hit on us for sure being a new band. So, you know, we put out the record regardless because we had already spent all the money on PR. All the prep was done. Like literally March 27th is when it really started to blow up in Canada too. And it yeah. was already starting to blow up in the States and stuff worldwide. You can tour, you can do nothing. So we've just done the best we could. We did these things called the, um, the quarantine sessions where we mm-hmm. did playthroughs of every song on the record. Yeah. Just push out the songs, just do stuff, keep people interested and get it out there. But you're also battling with three gazillion other bands out there doing the same thing, trying to yeah. do live feeds. So the internet was just boosted with all this stuff. So we just, kept doing what we could do and where we're at right now is uh we wrote a bunch of new music and we're, we're looking at releasing some an ep or some new music in early 2021 just to keep uh the people who are following us uh you know keep them up with the band give them some new stuff to listen to and yeah. hopefully attract some more uh new fans you know yeah so. well hopefully you know with everything going they're talking about you know a new vaccine and whatnot and, you know hopefully hopefully by summer i'm really i'm really hoping that you know things can for us you know can sort of start getting back to normal because i mean that's one thing i, I keep hearing like everyone's like you know oh you know call your call your waiter friends call your bartender friends and i'm like what what about us you yeah. know we're literally the most overlooked part of the of any like quote unquote essential business mm-hmm. because 
yeah, we are more of we are an entertainment and but we we're the places that people go when they're when they need a break from their lives. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's right. That's exactly it. So I'm really hoping hopefully by hopefully by summer we can kind of figure this shit out, figure out how we can start doing shows again. Cause I mean, by summertime, that'll be 18 months. Yep. Our last show was February 20th in Budapest, Hungary. Yeah. And we were actually in Milan on February 19th. So like a week before everything started getting Ooh. shut down in Italy. Yeah. And then when I came home, I was working my day job and on March 14th, I want to say March 14th, I got furloughed and then I was like, oh, this is actually a lot bigger than like I had anticipated. And then at the end of March, we had announced that we were canceling the tour that we were supposed to go on in May. And then we, we signed up for Patreon. So the, you know, the band Patreon started around, I think around late March, early April. And then we and then we did the live from quarantine acoustic set. And then we have some, uh, and then since then we've been doing, you know, like covers while we're writing the third Bad Wolves record. And uh, I think it's really funny. Like a lot of people being given, she's like, oh, you guys are putting out too many covers. I'm like, well, first of all, how, who are you to tell us how to do business? Yeah. <laughs> Second of all, we're writing a record. Like we're not just going to release you know, unfinished songs on the Patreon. And because all of our efforts uh, creatively are going into making the third album, like it just seems like a no brainer to just have songs that we like cover them in the style of bad wolves and, and put them out for our fans. It's not like they're on Spotify, you know, (laughs) but um, so we've been doing that. And then we're actually, we film some stuff, um, about a month ago that we're going to put onto, onto Patreon. So like another, another exclusive, uh, performance. Hopefully this doesn't come out before that's announced. And uh, so I don't get in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> but yeah. no, I think this will probably come out in like December at some point. So I think, I think for the most part, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good, but yeah, man, it's been, it's been really weird. And I've been finding myself, um, having to learn a bunch of new different stuff because I have more time on my hands now. So it's like, you know, half of my bedroom is like my bedroom and the other half is like my studio, my office, my, my, my everything. So, you know, I've been, I've been learning how to like use a video camera and learning how to do lights and, you know, putting money into my studio. So it's like, you know, I have the new computer, I've got, you know, all these new programs and, new microphones so when i do these podcasts that doesn't sound like you know somebody fucking just a bunch of hard p's and t's and b's into the microphone exactly and and, uh, learning how to edit video learning how to edit music even more and then even getting more intimate with some of my 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 digital workspaces um you know like logic and and all that shit and i've been just been having to like Learn a whole bunch of shit I probably should have learned a long time ago. But now that kind of COVID's afforded me the time to, I was like, you know what? Now's the time. Like, and it doesn't matter if you come out of this and you're, 
more productive than you ever were or not. You know, this is something that none of us have really lived through before. And I just think, you know, different people make different things of different situations. And like, I'm not really one to just sit around and do jack shit when I have like, you know, all this time, like I was telling, um, God, who was I talking to about this? I don't even remember. Um, but I was saying like, I started taking bass lessons. You know, I've never taken a bass lesson in my entire life. And I was just like, you know what? I kind of want to be looked at as more of a player than just like, oh yeah, that guy can do this or this, or you can, yeah. I, I, I want to, you know, earlier this year I got to play with dev and, you know, I got a really, really good review, um, or recommendation I should say from, from Wes Hauk. And that's how I got that gig. But I was like, I still want to do more stuff like that. If, if, if bad wolves isn't doing anything, I want to go out and play with more people and different genres and stuff like that. Cause I'm not just a metal dude. Like, I would love to go play for like fucking Idina Menzel or something, yeah, you know, yeah. like a, a pop axe or rock axe or anything like that. So I'm trying to diversify myself as a player. So I have those options, you know, if they were, you know, if they were to arise, but really the, the most, the one thing I've been trying to do is just keep as busy as I can, yeah. you know, cause even though my, my day job has started doing stuff again, I'm still not full time, you know, I'll work like two, three days a week tops if I'm lucky. So yeah. I still have four, four other days that I have to like, all right, what are you going to do today to not be a gigantic piece of shit? <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's very similar for me, actually. It's, I actually have Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday off, but it's not really off as you know, you know, yeah. it's like there's interviews, there's uh writing music, uh, some of the lessons that I teach around the world via Skype or Zoom or whatever, I have to put them out there. But like Sunday, Monday and Tuesday are full on teaching like eight, nine hours a day. Yeah. You know, so I cram it all in those three days. And then, you know, the other thing too, is I got some session work coming up. And you know, you're, you're talking about being diverse or, or just trying not to be a metal guy. Well, that's, that's what I've always done with my career is, is take any type of session i can get i've done country i've done tons of pop uh you know obviously i've done metal and, and prog metal and all that stuff mm -hmm. but uh i've done blues you know like i've really spread my wings and it's taught me a lot just playing with other uh talented musicians in different genres of music has taught me a lot because it's yeah. first it's firsthand experience right yeah. and um you can get all the lessons you want but once you get thrown into that which you've done too. It's like you're playing different genres of music. Just playing with Devin, there's fucking five different genres right there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like guy covers the gamut, right? So um it's it's that experience of playing with other people that I found has really, really helped me. And uh it's kept me busy, you know, and, and session work is great, you know. It's like it's awesome that I get to to record all these different types of music and and grow as a musician. So I, I totally understand where you're coming from and, and trying to fill that time up isn't very hard if yeah. uh, you're writing new music, you're teaching session work, you know, doing stuff like this podcast or interviews or whatever, you know, it's like next thing you know, it's like, holy shit, those four days went by really fast. Yeah. Know? The last couple of weeks have just like, I feel like they've been a massive blur because in between you know, doing podcasts and then, you know, every Monday I do a live Q&A on our Patreon page. 
doing podcasts, and then I just did. Uh, I filmed. I filmed a podcast with Trey Xavier from Gear Gods. Um, so like, I'm going to be uploading that to YouTube before it goes to Spotify or Apple music. I'm just trying to bring more people to my, to my YouTube channel and stuff like that. Um, but I mean, like I had to edit a fucking three hour podcast Yeah, (laughs) and that took me, I started on Sunday and I did like an hour on Sunday, a hour of the actual podcast, which, so which took me like two hours. And then I, I just said, fuck it. Last night, um, we we announced um, yesterday we did um, some Zoom calls because we had a contest last month, the uh, Bad Wolves Learn to Walk Again Challenge. So we gave uh, five people $4,500. Wow. And uh, so we called th- those winners and talked to them yesterday. And then when I got home from that, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to fucking see if I can bang the rest of this video out. And yeah, it took me about four hours to do, (laughs) to do two hours of video. Um, but, oh fuck. I I completely lost my train of thought. What the fuck was I talking about besides that? (laughs) Oh, 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 I remember now. But, um, but yeah, playing, playing, playing with dev was really different from any other gig that I've, I've ever had. And you're right. It is a bunch of different genres. Like we basically did the heavy stuff from strapping, um, Ziltoid DDP, um, you know, but the one thing I definitely appreciated was like, he sent me all the tracks of him like playing. He re-recorded all the guitars, re-recorded all the bass, had the MIDI drums and whatever. And, uh, just like, like how every instrument like really plays their role. Yeah. You know, I mean, not that the stuff was easy, but I definitely had the easiest job in in that gig. You know, the bass is just there to be, to be pretty, to be low and that's it. It's a Uh, supportive role in the way that he kind of writes, you know? Yeah. And I'm not sure if, if if this was how it was when when you were when you were all those years that you were you played with Dev, but the uh, the in ear slates, hmm. like so. Um, oh yeah, they're funny, man. <laughs> <laughs> I know where you're going with this, bro. <laughs> like before every song, like ten seconds before every song, I'll just have like shut up, <laughs> or. Uh, you know, I just I really appreciated the way he is like you he figured out a way to make an entire show, you know, and then because we only had an hour, he was like, All right, the slates are fifty eight minutes long. So it gave us a window if we, you know, if if we if we fucked up or whatever. But just like his attention to detail when it came to shit like that, like, you know, the time signature that the song was in, like one I we played by your command. Like, and I might be a shitty rock metal guy for saying this, but I had never played in six before. Yeah. Or three or whatever you want to call it. Um, And I was like, that really fucking threw me for a loop. So, but a lot of the stuff that I was learning and then playing with Dev and it really helped grow me as a musician because I'd never played with anybody of his caliber before, you know, because I mean, all you really have to say is Devin Townsend and people are like, if yeah. you're in the metal or rock community, you know him from one thing or another. Mm-hmm. And um, 
I really definitely appreciated the experience. Um, and, you know, I would hope to do it again at some point. I know he's got Liam doing the heavy stuff with him now, which is which is great because Liam, a uh, super underrated bass player. You know, he was in Dillinger Escape Plan for a really long time. Yeah. Um, but I just really appreciated all of the information I was able to absorb in that, like, week playing with Dev, you know? Yeah, yeah and there's, there's always something to learn from the guy because um, he's not ever trying to be anything other than himself, which I always respected. And I've yeah. always said that be a first rate version of yourself, not a second rate version of someone else. Yeah. And Dev doesn't give a fuck. You know what I mean? He just doesn't care. He's going to do exactly what he wants to do. And that's why I think his music is so unique and almost a genre under a sub genre onto itself. You know, it's like, that is just so out there. And um, I had this running joke with Wes Houck, and I called it Bart Simpson metal. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> or for, or Forrest Gump metal. Yeah, <laughs> you well, know, it's like see, don't know I, what you're gonna get, man. <laughs> yeah, well, so I have I have this set list here that I made in Spotify to to jam along with, and I mean I know some of these you've played on, some of these not. But it's just like, it's like, you know, Aftermath, Velvet Kevorkian, All Hail the New Flesh, March of the Poosers, Kingdom, Jalar, Poltergeist, Detox, By Your Command, Almost Again in Love. And like the first, the, like the first half of that set, like once you get past Poltergeist in that set, it's no longer, it's no longer Bart Simpson metal, but from Poltergeist yeah. and before. And, uh. I remember I said that because me and Wes would like FaceTime every single day. We would call every single day. We would send voice notes every single day in preparation of doing the Devin Townsend gig. And um, he was just like, he's just like, I like for the most part, when I learn songs, I can kind of see where somebody's coming from when they're writing riffs. But he's like, I got fucking no clue where Dev's coming from most of the time. Yeah, <laughs> and I said something. I'm like, "Oh, it's it's fucking Bart Simpson metal," and then we were learning a song together over over Skype, and uh, and he looks at me and he just goes, "Fucking Bart Simpson metal," <laughs> right? Yeah, that's the thing, man. It's like I remember recording Deconstruction, which had Planet of the Apes, you know, uh, Mighty Masturbator, Jalar, yeah, stuff like that. Poltergeist um, was on there, I think, too. Poltergeist was on there as well, and and it was like. I remember recording Planet of the Apes, which is 11 minutes long, but it was actually, I think, about four different songs at the yeah. time. And so I recorded the four different songs, nailed my parts. It was awesome, you know, and got the album. I'm like, where's those four songs? They didn't make it. And, you know, Dev's like, oh, no, it's called Planet of the Apes. I'm like, it's one song. And he fucking glued it all together and edited it. Mm -hmm. But the way that my drumming was was uh, pasted in there, I had to completely relearn my shit. It's me playing, but I'm like, fuck. <laughs> you know, it's like, and he's like, oh, by the way, we're going to play that live. And I'm just like, you know, and it was, I'll, I'll say this, man. That was the most difficult time ever I had to relearn one of my drum parts because it's almost like I didn't fucking play it, right? So it's yeah. like, whoa, this is crazy, even though I did play it, you know? So, <laughs> well, that's how yeah. that's how that's actually how I had to learn by your command is I because it's about seven and a half minutes long and I had to treat it as three different songs. Yeah. So there was yeah. there was the beginning part, the middle part, and the end part. 
And I was like, all right, those are those are three different songs. And that's the only way my brain could actually comprehend it. And I mean, I don't know if he did this with you guys. He might have just did this with us because we only had two days of rehearsal. But so before every transition, he would count. Yeah. So when we were playing live, we knew when the part was changing. He did. That was that's something Dev's done throughout his career ever since. I remember I was re- I was uh, touring Sinkestra with Devin Townsend Band in 2006 mm-hmm. with Devin. And we never used in-ears, nothing. It was just live. That's it. No clicks, nothing, right? Just and raw dog on those eardrums. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I said to Dev, I said, listen, man, I'm, I'm going to play these shows with Opeth. We're on tour with Opeth. And I said, I'm going to play these shows to click track. I'll do the counting and stuff. If there's breaks, I'll keep the hats going for you and all that. Let's video it and see what you think of it, you know? And, and so we did that. And um, right away, the band was so much tighter. It wasn't that I was had bad timing or whatever. I was already used to playing the click track. I was teaching people with a click and all that. Yeah, yeah. And, and he loved it, right? And so when Devin Townsend Project came out a couple of years after Devin Townsend Band, right away it was i think it was just devin and i at first on ears mm-hmm. and that's how he would uh start uh introducing stuff in our ears is like a new section would come up and you go chorus four three two one you know yeah, and then yeah. you're into the chorus and so that's what i'm sure you're talking about and man he had some fun like over the years we'd we'd have hilarious little things in there you oh. know like uh bad wolves has has some pretty fucking has some pretty legendary slates like the last couple tours we didn't really put him in but uh so we would start our show from the show laptop so it would have our intro and everything yeah. so like our first slate would be like like john like yelling really loud like all right boys yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then the intro would start or uh, during one of the slates before, like halfway through the set, it would be it was like Michael Keaton from Batman. Like, you want to get nuts? Come on, let's get nuts. <laughs> yeah, that's, that shit's great, man. It adds to uh, the fun of yeah. playing live. And Devil Devil always did that. He he'd take little little turns with members too. I remember we played this song Deep Peace from the album Terrier, and mm-hmm. uh, there was this part that was coming up, and he just randomly threw. Ryan's gay. <laughs> like, I remember the first time that came up, and I'm playing live, and I just fucking laughed so hard. I was, I fucked up the part completely, man. I'm like, where am I? You know, it's just like, what the hell just happened, right? And it he turned around. And, oh, dude, he turned around. He's fucking laughing. The whole band was just like, bah, you know. So it was always fun. Like the other thing about Devin too is uh, best front man by far that I've ever played with. Just like engagement with the crowd and just he's incredible man and it's nothing against john howard and the monolith is fucking incredible as well incredible yeah. man but dev's just he's got the banter he's a comedian and he's still badass he's just but like, he also knows how to how to navigate when it goes exactly the way it's not supposed to because that happened exactly. with us on on 70 on 70k the yeah. computer just with all the wind and the moisture just didn't work Oh no! So I was like, I was like, damn, Dev's putting a whole lot of faith in dudes. He's only jammed with three times before this, but we were we were able to play everything, you know. And yeah. um, but with the the in ear things, when you I wanted to go back to something really quick, 
is mm-hmm. saying like you know you and Dev were the first ones on in ears, and it wasn't to do with your timing. But I mean, just like it doesn't matter how good your timing is, if you're not playing to a click track, you're gonna go faster in some parts, and you're gonna go yep. slower in some parts. Yep. I mean, I know towards the tail end of the of the Vimic touring, we were getting Joey on on uh, on in ears with a click track, just because. Um, Joey is kind of notoriously like he gets really excited when he plays drums mm-hmm. and there was one song. I really feel like we were playing it almost in double time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we were like, let's get him on a click track just so it's cohesive with, with the album. Like some people wouldn't know what song we were playing if it's too fast. Like even yeah. if it's five or six BPM faster. So, I mean, you know, you could be the greatest drummer in the world, you know, but if you're not playing to a click, I really don't think it's going to be as consistent as you think it's going to be. Like, I know, like, back in the day, Walter Earl, who was the drum tech for Bill Ward, Mm -hmm. um, Walter Earl would tap on the back of Bill's, on on his back while he was playing to keep time. Nice. That's that's, that's, Before (laughs) in-ears. Yeah, before click tracks. (laughs) Right? But, like, um, I agree, and that's why during that Sinkestra tour, I I just thought, it's like, sure, I have good timing, but I definitely push and pull like any other drummer. But yeah. I just thought this is going to make it even tighter. Let's yeah. make it like really tight and see what you think. And so I ended up playing to click that entire tour, you know, and it, it was awesome. You I know? love the click, man. Me too. Some, I feel some weird not it. playing the one now. Yeah. It's like if some some rehearsals with the monolith when we, we didn't have our ears set up or whatever, we came back from we did a Canadian tour and we came back and didn't have our ears set up for a week or two because we we're waiting for some stuff to come back from there. And we we're just jamming without it. And it was great. But to me, it's like, oh, this is almost foreign to me because with Devin Townsend project, we we're doing that for years, you know, over a decade. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. some people love it. Some people hate it. Like, I know my old drummer. I don't know if it was just the key in which the click was set. Mm-hmm. but he's just like, I fucking hate this click in my ear. I mean, I, dude, there are times when I'm recording because, you know, even when these podcasts are, I have to remember, to, I have to remind myself to turn the click off. But like if I'm writing music to send to, you know, John or Chris or Doc or, or whomever, um, I I am notorious for leaving the click on because I'm so used to it. And it's just something I, I don't know, I love it. Yeah. You know, I feel like if... If you haven't played to a click before, it can be a little weird. And daunting for yeah, some people. Yeah, and it's just like like <laughs> you blame the click if you're off time. <laughs> but you, you know the thing that I've always taught my drum students and, and other people is this, is the click to me is a member of the band. Yeah. I don't, I don't play to the click track. I, I, I actually jam to it. You know what I mean? It's like I'm jamming with someone. So there's Devin, as I'm sure you know, he he probably said it to you, to you guys when you did a 70K, he loves playing behind the click. He wants the whole band to just because it sounds bigger. You know what I mean? It's just got that that feel to it. And then there were certain times where there were specific songs, like we did this song called uh, Ziltoy Goes Home. Mm -hmm. And it's a very strapping like sounding song yeah uh, from the z2 record and that song is just like i'm on the click i'm not playing behind it because it's so intense and fast 
it just made sense to play bang on the click track and it just sounded that much more heavier as opposed to you know really laying behind it so yeah i definitely got that vibe from certain songs like some of the 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 faster songs i felt like were pretty much mm-hmm. right on the money but stuff like you know march of the poosers yeah like that's definitely even even jalar i mean i know yeah. that like that song drumming wise is, that's a workout man yeah that's <laughs> yeah. that that's a workout um and honestly, if dude, I didn't know that you didn't play drums on that song until nope, recently. That, yeah, it was Dirk. was Dirk. Yeah, I was like, man, this sounds just like the album. And he's like, yeah, because I recorded it. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, songs like like March or you know some of the slower stuff um, would I? It was I felt that vibe of like, and I'm kind of behind the click anyway. Yeah, yeah. Because I feel like it's better to be a little like a cunt hair behind it than a cunt yep. hair in front of it. Yep. <laughs> I agree. I agree a hundred percent. It just makes things bigger. And I was always a guy who played right on the click, like just trying and get excellent timing with the click track. But when I started playing with Devin and, and we started doing in-ears together, he's like, yeah, I want you to play a little bit more behind it. And I'm like, no problem. One of the lessons I teach is to teach my drum students to play on the click in front of it back to on it and then behind it and then back to on it so you're just switching without stopping right and and to get that feel and to be able to switch like that there were specific songs ziltoy goes home is actually one of them where i would be right on the click and then there's this uh, really airy kind of easy going part of the song at one point where i actually switch it and actually play a little bit behind the beat because there's so much more room yeah. Right. And it just sounds that much bigger. Right. So being able to to play on it in front of it, behind it w- when you choose. Yeah. Is, is a really good thing. And it's not exactly the easiest thing for everyone. Yeah. Well, I remember I was doing a record a few years ago and the drums needed to be edited a little bit more than than normal. And so I felt like that didn't give me as much wiggle room like that that's one thing that i mean don't get me wrong you know i love superior drummer 3 you know midi drums are great for a workflow and yeah. you know pre pro um pre pro ideas but that's one thing i miss about like recording to like live drums mm-hmm. you know in the studio the drummer's in there you know he did his tracks and like you're listening back with the producer and that was one thing that i had a hard time with was the producers like you're not on it and i'm just like well when i played these songs when i wrote these parts it was with a live drummer and because certain parts had to be edited like my whole feel is just off yeah so i would have to run through the part like four times and they're just like you know, because instead of being behind the click, it was like right on the click. And uh, so I would actually end up rushing the parts. Yeah. <laughs> and that's and was... the thing, right? You you get used to a certain vibe. And yeah. when you are playing with the drummer and you guys say aren't jamming to a click track, there are these push and pulls, which yeah. make it really interesting, too, because there's something to be said um, for the vibe of a song. Or the, or the parts that you're playing when you don't play the click. Sometimes it sounds that much heavier because there yeah. are push and pulls, right? So I don't know. It, it really is a, an opinionated thing and uh, a personal preference thing, you know, with click track. But the bottom line is, is like, 
you can't argue that it makes you tighter. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, it's, I mean, before Bad Wolf started touring, I remember we were in our rehearsal space five or six days a week for three weeks. Like, we all had learned the songs at home, you know, and we had played them before together. But, like, we were there for six to eight hours a day, six days yep. a week for, yeah, about three or four weeks, I want to say. Tommy came in the last week. Um, but, yeah, like, music-wise. So it's going to be interesting when we when we get back into the rehearsal studio. Like, I straight up told John, I was like, if we're getting ready for anything that we have to, like, play together on, we need at least, I would say, a month of rehearsal because yeah. we haven't played a show in nine months. I mean, yeah. it's it's October, or I'm sorry, not October, November 19th now. And yeah. our last show was on February 20th. Yeah. Crazy, <laughs> so I'm like, <clears throat> we like, there's some serious cobwebs that we need to, to broom off the, the ceilings of our, yeah. <laughs> of our rehearsal room and get in there and get it tight. Cause that's one thing that I remember I, I was watching, I watched shows from our first tour and then I watched shows from our most recent, uh, us tour and just the amount of tightness that two years on the road, literally playing to a click five nights a week, you know, yeah. for oh, fuck. I want to, it was probably 20 months. Yeah. You yeah, know, you guys had a long string of shows going, man. When shit was moving, dude, 2018 was basically April 20th until December 17th. Yeah. I was home for the longest, like two weeks. Yeah. So uh, we, crazy. Would, we would do one tour home for a week, do the next tour. You know, there was a couple tours that we didn't even go home in between because they were yeah. so they're like, what's the point? Yeah. You know, well, with three days, you're going to go home for, for a day. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, the longest I was home was in September and yeah, two weeks. And then we didn't really have like a crazy busy beginning of 2019. We had like February in Australia with Nickelback. And then we had like a week in March with uh, um, Breaking Benjamin. And then, then we started Europe. And then from when we started Europe in May, March, no, May, yeah, May. When we started um, Europe in May to the rest of the year, we were slammed. And then I was slammed because we got home like December 14th of, of 2019. And then I was FaceTiming with, with Wes every day, learning the Devin Townsend stuff. Rehearsing with Devin January 5th, flying out to my, Miami January 6th. Did those four or five days with Dev. Flew home, went to Nam, came home from Nam, and went to Europe. Yeah. So there really hasn't been a lot of a lot of... Uh, home time since since Bad Wolf started touring, and you know I'm super grateful that we have been able to you know we beat the shit out of America for two years touring, you know we've been to Europe like three or four times, you know we've been to Australia, and you know we toured all over Canada, um, so I'm really grateful that we've been able to put in that work. So now that we've been home for nine months, and we the you know we actually have 
an audience that we can do stuff like the Patreon or have yeah. these, you know, streaming shows or paid shows. But yeah, once once it's time to start ripping again, um, at least I mean, if if John doesn't want to doesn't want to do it, like I know me, Chris, and Doc will be just woodshedding for yeah. for a couple weeks before before we get before we get into the into the studio again. Actually, dude, Doc just had back surgery yesterday. What? Yeah, it was. Really? I was yeah, it was super. It, he said it wasn't invasive, but I know that he's had back issues for a long time. You know, he's a tall guy; he's six foot two. Mm. Um, and living in a bunk for most of your adult life yeah, is man. not really conducive to being tall. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm six foot, and it's like, uh, yeah, those bunks. Some of them were nice. You know, beat the street buses were fucking awesome. And, oh yeah. Um, we did beat the street all the time for the last few albums that we did with Devin when we were in Europe. And those were nice buses to be in. I never, never, ever complain. I never complained about being in a bus because since I was a kid, that was my dream, yeah. you know? And then next thing you know, for the better part of 15, 16 years with Dev, we were in a bus. Right. So, yeah. um, but it does take its toll on you. Never mind that. It's just the road, man. Yeah. It's like, you, you don't get much sleep, especially uh, if you're doing fly dates you know, oh. lobby call like Australia. I hate fly dates, dude. Dude, Australia is the worst. It's always that's how it was in South America too. Like the last time I went to South America, it was four shows, and every single one of them was a fly date. I mean, luckily, you know, for the most part, except for I think two shows, we had back to back days. Yeah, which was in Brazil, but for the most part, we had a day off in between. Mm -hmm. So that's fine. But like Australia, it was just like literally all it's your gear all your gear in the airport, like fucking 6am fucking got a, our flights at 6am like, yeah, lobby calls. Like you're, you're living off three hours sleep in between every time, man. Yeah. And we did like last time we went to Europe, we had to, cause we were doing all the big festivals out there, you know, like uh grass pop, Nova rock download, all those. And uh, you know, to make those trips worth it, you know, we were putting in headlining shows in between. So there was like, a few times where we had to go from like, you know, we had to go from download and then we had to like fly from Donington to Vienna, Austria just to make the show because the bus, you know, they can only drive like fucking four exactly. minutes, four minutes a day. Exactly. <laughs> it seems like, <laughs> you know what? Two times it happened to us where we were playing brutal assault in um, Czech Republic. And then, we had to play Bloodstock in England the next day because oh, they were the shit. same weekend. Yeah. And we did that a couple of years in a row. And the, the, the first time that we did it, uh, all of our gear didn't make it. Because oh. the, the flights were just too close. I remember our layover in, in Amsterdam was like 45 minutes. I'm like, there's no fucking way our gear is making this, man. And sure enough, it didn't. And so Actually, I think I remember hearing about that. Was that like in like 2009 or something? Or no, 2013? It was what, 2010. Oh, yeah. okay. And and yeah, and, and it was funny. Here's here's a true story. This is kind of a, a cool story. So none of our shit makes it. We're running around and we're borrowing fucking gear from all the other bands on the bill, you know, and like, hey, testament, can we borrow this? You know, it's like, and so I got this fucking Frankenstein kit together, 
You know, they have backline there, but a lot of it was already spoken for, you know, festival so I'm just taking whatever the fuck it can get. And so I did that. And then obviously our in-ear stuff didn't make it, but we had our inners with us. Mm -hmm. Some stuff uh, we carried as carry on. So we were able to kind of make in-ears work because our show was based off that. Otherwise we'd have to cancel the show. Right. Yeah. So um, the laptop (laughs) and your in-ears. Exactly, man. Right. And so basically I was sitting there and for whatever reason, my input wasn't working. So my click had to be blaring through a fucking monitor. No in-ears for Ryan. Right. And fucking, I'm the most important dude who needs fucking in-ears. I'm keeping the time, the beat, you know? And so, uh, and it it was just a, a brutal setup. So we start the show and I can't hear shit. You know, I'm like, holy Christ, right? And it, playing this Frankenstein kit, but I'm like, whatever, I'm a professional. I'm going to get through this. I'm going to kick some ass. Gene Hoagland was there and he's like, hey, daddy, uh, <laughs> help. And I'm just like, dude, yes. And and he, he says, what? And he was standing uh, at the uh, side monitor board and uh, he was standing there and I would look at him and I'd go shift my head up. That means turn that motherfucker up, right? For the click yeah. track. And Gene's yelling orders <laughs> at the fucking at the, the sound monitor guy. He's going, more click, more click. He'd be looking at me and I'm like, fucking turn that shit down. It's pulling my head off. You know, like, turn the click down, turn the click down. And so Gene, Gene was like my wingman, this fucking legendary drummer, legendary dude. He's just the nicest guy ever. But he totally helped me through that set, man. Watched the whole set and was like, kind of my right hand man for making sure that my monitor mix was all right you know so it was just a really fucked up show but yeah fly dates suck man you know there's you just you don't get much sleep uh you know there's a chance your shit doesn't show up right in and if you know you got a tight layover it's always in the back of your head because i don't know with devin townsend shit like that or or the computer freezing up or skipping live it just seems to happen, man. And yeah. you know what? He's... It's always gonna. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if your if your tracks are literally just a click track. Like your computer's gonna. It's gonna happen. Yeah. You know. And I I've told I've told John a couple times. I was like, you know, because we use a MacBook Air. I'm like, you need to upgrade that to a MacBook Pro. Pro. Yeah. Like a fucking gnarly one. Get a fucking 16 inch with 64 gigs of RAM. Yeah. That bitch will run you fucking our set for fucking five years, and we might have one or two mishaps. Yeah, you know? totally. Yeah. When you're doing a MacBook Air with fucking four gigs of RAM or eight gigs right? of RAM, it's, it's just like you're more prone to bottlenecking and shit. Totally. Um, but do you know what's so funny is that anytime I hear a story about Gene Hoagland, everyone's always like, got that, hey, daddy Yeah, totally. <laughs> hey, daddy What's going on there, right? You know? Just. <laughs> So chill, right? And uh, just the nicest guy. But yeah, Gene's a great dude. Great. I think I, I think I've I think I've told this story before. But when I was on the road with Jed, um, <laughs> he was telling me this story about how like Gene was on a middle bunk in the bus, and this is when Gene was like Big Daddy Gene. I was know? there on this tour. If it's the one you're talking about, where the, <laughs> where the keyboard came? player, yeah, yeah the, the keyboard player was under the bus. Was underneath, dude. Oh, I was daddy. Up. Oh, daddy. <laughs> Dude, I was on that fucking tour, and all of us were sleeping. It was Zimmer's Hole, Devin Townsend Band, and Strapping Young Lad. And so it, it w- must have been like 8 in the morning or something. 
and all of a sudden the bus hit this fucking bump and it woke up every fucking one right on the oh, bus. one of those big potholes where you hit the ceiling totally and so it hits and maybe two seconds later all we hear is god damn it daddy, daddy. <laughs> i look out the fucking bunk and there's manesh with his feet put trying to push Gene's <laughs> bunk up and i'm like oh manesh's dad he's gonna get he was the keyboard player right <laughs> oh dude yeah. Anyway, of course, Jed loved that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jed fucking hates keyboard players. Yeah, right? Hell, he punished them, dude. I got fucking... We could do a whole podcast on stories from that tour. This is the funniest tour I've ever been on. But, yeah, anyways, Manesh maybe weighs like a buck 40 soaking wet. Like, the, he's a small little dude, like 5'5", five, five, and just like, you know, 140 pounds or whatever. And there's Gene trying to hold himself up and... <laughs> whole bunch of people got in there to lift gene up and oh my it, it was it was so funny man yeah. uh, i was i was telling this to ash when uh, when i was talking to him but i'm just like dude like gene looks great now amazing amazing like how much fucking weight is that guy lost a lot like uh he's lost like more than an entire average person yeah like, I, not I, a little I, amount of weight it's close to a couple hundred pounds, I think. You know, it's like it's it's a lot, but at least 150 pounds. He he really shed it and uh, shed all that weight. And man, awesome job, you know. And he feels better. He drums better. Yeah, because oh, I sure remember I remember when we were on that tour, um, back in 2000. It was 2003 that tour, and uh, I remember being on that tour. And Gene sometimes would come off stage and he'd get these crazy fucking cramps and he'd be in so much pain and he tried to drum through it. And like, dude, his health was not the very best, you know? Yeah. And he knew he had to make a change. And now he's made that change. And I've talked to him about it. I'm like, you look incredible, man. Congratulations. And he's just like, yeah, I drum better. I'm mentally more aware. It's yeah. just all these different things. And he doesn't have to I'm walk really with a cane anymore, does he? Pardon me? Does he, is he still walking with the cane? No, I yeah. haven't seen him with it. And, you know, it's like um, I'm really into health and fitness myself. And the reason I do it is for those exact reasons. I, I used to weigh 50 pounds more than I weigh now, believe it or not. And I saw and, some pictures. Uh, there was there was RV, it was beefy RVP. Oh, yeah, man. And it was I think I when we know. met, you were kind of beefy. Uh, 2013. No, 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 no. No, okay. then, then I was in shape. Um, I, I basically in 2003, it was the same time, I got this back accident and uh, it was really bad. I was in bed for like three weeks, fucked up my back. That, dude, that's how I just was last month. <clears throat> yeah, it's nasty, man. And uh, doctor said, you know, basically for the next couple of years, you're not going to lift anything more than five pounds. I'm like, what? And he goes, no, your back is fucked. He goes, you're going to probably have this the rest of your life. So very long story short, for years and years, I didn't work out, which I was used to doing all the time. I was in great shape when it happened. And he said, actually, he goes, the fact that you're in great shape when this happened saved you. He goes, it would have been way worse. Yeah. You know? And uh, anyways, I got lazy with my diet, man. Couldn't work out. That's most of it, diet. dude. It is. I, I mean, that's literally like people say like, Oh, it's 80% diet. Like, honestly, I, I think it's more than, I think it's 90% diet, dude. Yeah. And it's so goddamn important. And I let it go and I gained 50 pounds of pure fat, man. And I, my, my drumming suffered. Yeah. Uh, you know, my ment mentally, I wasn't 
the best, all these things. As soon as I lost it all in the beginning of 2009, mm. when I lost it all, I lost over 50 pounds. Yeah. And since then, I've always walked around 180, 185 pounds. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, it's like back in awesome shape. I'm in the best shape of my life right now. I feel great. But you know what? I can play three. I played three hour shows with Devin, you know, and we yeah. shot Blu-rays for them. I get off stage. I could go another three hours, man. And, you know, having that conversation with Gene was yeah. the exact same thing. All those feelings that I felt in 2009 when I lost all of it, I was back in shape, back to what I was normal with for most of my life. Yeah. Gene said the exact same thing. He's just like more mentally aware. He's, he's playing better. It was, it was awesome. We had that conversation at NAM one year and he yeah. just looks great. And the guy already is fucking legendary drummer, man. Well, I remember, so I'm, you know, I know you remember my ex cause we went to breakfast together Ooh. Yeah, at NAM. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. yeah. So me and her, me and her split back in April of 2018, no, 2000. Yeah. No, 2019. I'm sorry. And uh, I remember that whole, that was in April. And I remember like around July, August, you know, I hadn't really stepped on a scale, but I was like, I was like looking at pictures and I was just like, Jesus Christ, Kyle, like what the, and I was thinking, I was like, oh, all you do is eat fucking Big Macs and pizza and drink, you know, just being yeah. a real piece of shit. Cause I mean, when I'm depressed, I eat my feelings. Yeah. Um, I'm really like, I don't do drugs. Like I don't get like fucked up drunk. Yeah. Like. I get my fucking jollies off by eating shitty fucking food. <laughs> right. Yeah. <clears throat> so I remember I stepped on a scale and I was like two thirty, and I'm five ten. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I was I was two twenty seven when I put on all that weight. Yeah. So I was like two thirty, five ten, and I was just looking beefy. Yeah. So I remember we got home from our summer tour on September first, and September second. I was like, I'm changing everything. I stopped drinking soda. You know, I was going to the gym five times a week. You know, I remember. For, yeah. I remember when you were posting all that stuff. I was like, yeah, I get it, man. Get it. You know, I lost 40 pounds. Yeah. In two months. Wow. And it melts off too because your body's not used to carrying around all that weight for, for the majority of your life. You're never like that. So when you first do it, you, it does melt off quite quick. But it's those last like 10, 15 pounds that are stuck. Yeah, those those were the ones because I remember I remember at my at my leanest was probably towards the end of our uh five finger death punch uh tour. So it was in December. So from September to December, I think at my lightest I was one eighty eight. Gotcha. So going you know, that's forty two pounds or something. Yeah. Um and I was doing pretty good when we when we did seventy ton seventy uh, k. I was like, I'm using this as a vacation. You know, yeah. I've been doing really good. I'm gonna have some drinks. I'm gonna. I'm probably not gonna go to the gym for four days. Who cares? Yeah, exactly. You know, and then um, and then we were we went to Europe. I was eating pretty good. You know, and I have like a, a way that I eat on tour so that I can still burn calories. Like I have a super like healthy green lunch with like yeah. tuna you know tuna yeah. and fucking um arugula is like my go-to yeah just tuna yeah. fish and arugula that's it yeah and then that's all i would eat until right after we got off stage and then i would do like you know a bit of mashed potatoes or some sort of starch and then yeah. protein and then more greens yeah get your carbs in yeah yeah because 
I, I don't like to eat before the show. It makes me feel, it gives me like fucking acid reflux. It, yeah. It's not fun. So I was like, all right, I'm not really eating any carbs until after we play, which is where, you know, and I was, I was losing weight doing that. And then fucking COVID hit. And my, all my gym, I have two gyms that I go to both closed down. Of course. Yeah. And I'm really, I'm a really hard person to motivate if I'm at home. And especially mm-hmm. with like, we cancel all these tours and I'm not going to lie, dude. I put I put back on like 30 pounds. Like, yeah. Just, it's easy to do, right? Yeah. It's so very I'm, easy to do. I'm back up to like 215, 217 right now. Mm-hmm. And, um, but, you know, I've been, I've been doing this thing where I'm doing a lot of intermittent fasting. Yeah. Because when the, the – I was doing okay. I was back at the gym because uh, there's an outside portion of the gym that I've been going to. Um, so we could work out there as long as there's not too many people. So I did like two months at the gym weight was finally starting to come off. And I was like, I was kind of dirty bulking because I wanted to get a little bit bigger before I cut the weight. Yeah. And, um, and then I pulled my back out and it was yeah. like, I do others. I have a fucking bulging in my L five S one. Fuck. And the doctor was just like, yeah, he's like, uh, we're just going to see how the rest of this year goes before you go back to the gym. I'm just like, oh, fuck. Seriously? So, like, dude, I, I was in ridiculous amounts of pain from, it was a week after my 34th birthday. So, I was, like, September, late September. Yeah. And I was walking with a cane for three weeks. Yeah. Like, I physically, I couldn't get out of bed without the help of the cane. I couldn't do anything. So, yeah. for three weeks, I'm, like, switching between sitting fucking hobbling around the house for like 10 or 15 minutes to get some blood flow into my legs and right and then like laying down for like trying not to lay down too long either i would do like 30 minutes laying down and then walk around for 10 or 15 minutes and literally that was my entire day go from chair walk lay down walk and that's all i did and uh and so i got really depressed and i couldn't fucking i couldn't for those first three weeks like to try to cook was like fucking impossible for me. So I would like order bullshit food. So I gained most of the weight from literally not doing anything and fucking having my back pulled out and then just eating like a gigantic pile of shit. Yeah. You know, like a 10 year old with a credit card. You know what I mean? Totally, man. (laughs) I totally get it. And that's the thing is, is for me when COVID hit at my gym and it's a two minute drive away from me, like two, three minutes and I'm there. And yeah, that got shut down. They, they reopened it cause it's not as bad up here in Canada, but now they got all these specific rules that you got to follow uh, for going to the gym. And uh, you know, you only get an hour, you have to schedule your times, all this shit. Right. And uh, you know, in the end I said, screw it. And uh, I started doing these online beach body home workouts and the cool thing is it they're full body workouts so it was really good and different because you should always introduce muscle confusion to your workouts you don't always want to do the same workout change things up hit different parts of your body yeah so i started doing these programs and dude it's just kicked my fucking ass man and it's kept me in great shape i feel great have a good diet. I'm always going on and still buying like really good groceries and stuff. But the beauty of it is they're only like 30 minutes long. It's nothing, right? So 
the thing is too is I have to be careful too. You have to be careful. You probably can't even work out because your back's all fucking shit. I can do I can do certain things, but it's like he was like, you know, you can go for a walk or a run, but it's like, dude, I went I walked two miles the other day. Yeah. And the fucking next day, knee is on fire. Right. So I'm like, all right, well, I'm not going to do that because I'm just going to aggra- aggravate my knee. So now I'm going to try the, I'm going to try a, a, a exercise bike. I'm going to see how that does on my knee, you yeah. know, get a recumbent. Uh, yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. The recumbent bicycle. Yeah. Yeah. They're the best man. That's what I did to lose all that way back in 2009. Yeah. And it's better for your back. I heard a lot it, better. Doesn't put as much pressure on it. Right. Yeah. So, um, that's what I'd recommend a hundred percent, man. Get, get something like that going. But you know, the other thing too is stretching is huge. I have to stretch fucking 30 minutes every single day. Yeah. You're smart, man. Cause when I did that, it allowed me to reintroduce weights Mm -hmm. and weight training back into it. So yeah, it's like, I, I do all these stretches and I, I have my 30 minute workouts that I do anywhere from five, six times a, a week. And, uh, it's awesome, man. It keeps me in incredible shape. And you don't even have to lift that much weight. A lot of it is body weight too. Yeah. Or you, or you get the bands. Resistance. Yeah. And uh, you'd be surprised, man. But yeah, dude, if, if you want, like hit me up, I'll, I'll give you uh, some links and stuff. You should check it out because there's some stuff that you could do and you literally do it at home. Yeah. You don't yeah. need a lot of shit. Yeah, for sure. You know, cause uh, I'm supposed to go back to my doctor in the next week or so. Uh, cause he finally okayed me to go back to work. So like once I get like an actual week's worth of work in yeah. like a, a business week. So like five days I go back, you know, we just stretch my back. He, you know, asks how, like, how's it feeling? Blah, blah, blah. Are you wearing your fucking back support? Yeah. I'm wearing my fucking back support. <laughs> yeah. So w- once, once I get that, okay, I'm not going to go back crazy. Like how it was. Cause I was, I was getting it. Yeah. You know, I was, I was, I was putting in the work. Like I was only really going to the gym like three days a week, but I was doing like hour and a half, two hours. Gotcha. Just, yeah, just, yeah. just lifting and fucking lunges and crushing it. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just all the glamour muscles, you know, the lats, biceps, yeah. chest, tries. <laughs> legs, legs are the most important, man. They're the ones that are. Gonna... Oh, I would do legs. I would do legs every day, but it was just like, I would do like the leg press. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I would just do a bunch. So like the quads. Yeah. It, it was mainly quads and ass that it was working out. It's your biggest muscle, man. Like that burns a shitload of calories. That'll just melt the fat off your body too. Right. So there's, that's the other thing that I like about these programs is almost every day because it's full body workouts, you, you're working your legs. Yeah. And like I took four or five days off cause it was uh, my birthday last week and I went to Vancouver Island. Oh, uh, happy belated birthday, Ryan. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, so I went there. So I took four, about four or five days off the gym. Normally I'm only taking a day or two a week, but yeah, five days off. And man, I, the first day back, I hit legs. Dude, I can't even fucking walk right now. <laughs> I'm just like, I sat on my drum gig because I'm learning this session. It was like brutal, man. I was yeah. just like, what the fuck? So if you don't keep up on it too, it's like, the soreness hits you really fucking bad as opposed to when you're in a groove and, and you take your normal days off, you yeah. feel great. And sure, there's always a little bit of soreness, but not like what I'm going through right now. And that's why I hate taking big breaks. Cause 
sometimes it deters you too it's like fuck this yeah (laughs) no it it really does because i remember that was one thing once once i was allowed to go back to my gym back in like august and september like the biggest the biggest problem was finding the motivation to go because like between september and and february like there wouldn't be more unless i was sick there wouldn't be more than like two or three days that i didn't work out a week and uh and then you know having to go from like mid-march to yeah like august not being able not being able to work out was just like you know having my trainer like he's like oh you coming in for a big workout and i would just make an excuse because i just didn't want to do it (laughs) yeah yeah exactly man but uh and and another thing i'm i'm really going to try to do is uh, be like having that having that recumbent exercise bike you know, I could do, um, cause I talked to Logan Mater about this a lot too. Um, doing uh fasted cardio in the mornings, yeah. 25, 30 minutes on the fucking recumbent bicycle, you yeah. know, normally where it would only burn, like, I think they say you burn like 300 calories an hour on a bike. Yeah. So instead of burning 150 because you're fasted, it's, it's, uh, dipping into your fucking fat reserves yeah. So it's like you're burning twice the amount of calories and you don't have to do it for it. And they, and they say you shouldn't do more than 45 minutes of fasted cardio, but between like fasted cardio, intermittent fasting, and then hopefully if I, if I can go back to the gym here in the next week, kind of getting not in the same routine that I was before, but back to something similar. Yeah. You know? Oh, you have to start light, man, because you'll just re-aggravate the injury. Right. So, yeah. That's that's where you got to be careful. But yeah, it's like any type of weight training is going to be a bonus because that helps burn a lot of calories, you know. Well, because I, I was wearing my Apple Watch during um, when I was like between September and November of last year. <clears throat> Excuse me. I was really, I was like on. I knew exactly what workout burned, however many calories. I knew what my I was taking in. Like I was counting every fucking thing. Yeah. And I and I I would have these they weren't like high impact workouts. They weren't like high intensity. They weren't like yeah. hit workouts. But yeah. they were more fast paced than when I was doing the heavy lifting. Yeah. And so I would make sure that I did at least if I was going to the gym 5 5 days a week or 4 days a week, I would make sure at least half of those were the higher intensity ones cuz I was burning like 850 calories per hour. Holy shit, dude. That's insane. And then my normal like weightlifting ones. <clears throat> All right, so so that the higher intensity ones would be anywhere from seven fifty to eight fifty. Yeah, it honestly really just depended on what I was doing for my cardio. Yeah. Um, but and then the weight li- the heavier lifting days would still be like six six hundred burning six hundred calories to seven hundred calories an hour. So, you know, the human body sitting still doing nothing burns 2000 calories a day that's why they say you know you should only eat you know the average man i should say you should only eat 2000 calories a day or whatever yeah that's that, that's average yeah so i was like that's how i was able to literally drop i dropped most of the weight the first month i think i did 25 25 to 30 pounds the first month yeah and you know the other the rest of it, like I think like 15. Yeah. I think, I think it was 25 the first week or the first month and then 15 the next month. But yeah, so I was just, I was, I wanted to burn more calories than my body wasn't taking 
because yeah. I wanted I didn't want to be fat anymore. <laughs> yeah, you, you have to get that deficit right. It's five five hundred calories uh, a day times seven days. You're either in a deficit of that, you'll lose a pound, they say, or or you gain a pound. You know, but if you're and based off your uh, your daily diet, right? So if you want to lose a pound and say you're supposed to be taking in twenty five hundred calories for for the size you are, your height, all that shit. There's lots of calculators online that'll help you with that stuff. Uh, then eat 2000 calories and you'll yeah. burn that extra pound. Right. But if you're adding uh, intermittent fasting, all those other things, you're going to burn way more than that. Yeah. You know, so it depends what you do. And you know, there's, there's so many different ways that you can do it, but everyone's different. And nothing people have to remember too, or your body's, everyone's bodies react differently from yeah. the next person. It's not always going to work the exact same way, but you have something that works amazing for you. Right? Yeah. We'll see. And, and, and I started noticing even more results and I know I'm probably going to get shit for saying this, but honestly, my body works best when it's hungry. Like there was, there was a point I was getting towards, towards the end of October where I was only eating one time a day because my body doesn't get hungry. Yeah. 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 Like I would literally have like a protein shake after workout just so I can feed the muscles to like force myself to eat something. But then I wouldn't eat again until dinner and I can, then, then I can literally eat whatever I wanted to. Yeah. You know, as long as my meal wasn't, as long as it wasn't a 1500 calorie meal, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I would have, I would have like a 300 calorie shake, 250, 300 calorie shake after the workout. And then I'd have like a fucking 1200 calorie fucking dinner. Yeah. And I was good. Yeah. And see, and that's, I, I used to do that. And then the thing that I've kind of uh, relied on for the most part is just a bunch of eating throughout the day, but it's smaller, smaller meals and stuff, you know, a decent sized lunch, but snacking in the, like, I'm not a big breakfast eater, yeah. you know, but, uh, except for now, I'm at IHOP. Yeah. <laughs> I was so obsessed with ham steaks at the, around that time. I remember. Yeah, dude. We we actually talked about that that day. I get obsessed with certain breakfast things, dude. Like, yeah. right? I mean, for the most part, I'm on like a corned beef hash kick. Like, I love corned beef hash and eggs. But for some reason, around that time, I have no idea why I was fucking obsessed with ham steaks. Every yeah. single morning, I would get up two eggs, ham steak breakfast. <laughs> dude you gotta love ihop i love ihop man you know it's, it's way like, better than denny's way fucking better man and uh yeah i've had, had that high hop that we went to i've had a lot of fun breakfast meetings there man that was one of them you know it's like, i think that's like the ihop i've been to the most yeah <laughs> yeah it's pretty awesome man i'm, I'm definitely a fan not gonna lie <laughs> So, um, where can everybody find you and your music if they want to, want to find you on the interweb? Yeah. You know, basically, uh, you look up Ryan Van Puderoin on Google. <laughs> there are many of those dudes, man. You know, but, uh, yeah, you look up RVP or Ryan Van Puderoin on Google and all my shit will come up. Cause I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, all that stuff. I also have my own website, which is rvpdrums.com. And that, that, has makes, it, that makes it way easier for people. Yeah. RVPdrums.com. And then, you know, for a monolith, it's just a monolith band 
com. you know, and that links up to everything that we're doing and, and uh, all of our social media, you know, store to buy the, the album LP, you know, we got a vinyl out limited vinyl that's almost gone though. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's great, man. But those would be the two best links, the monolithband.com for the band and then rvpdrums.com for everything else. Sick. And if you want to follow Ryan, you can on Instagram at Ryan Van Puderoyen. Yep. <laughs> right. You should just do RV at RVP. You know what? I, I looked at it, but it was taken. Oh, when son uh, of a bitch. There's that soccer player. You know, he's got all that oh, shit. Oh, so it's like an actual person of like interest, not like some guy be like, get out of here with that. Yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, you can also follow a monolith at a monolith band on uh, on Instagram. Instagram as well. Yep. But Ryan, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day and joining me on my podcast. It was really good catching up with you and good seeing your face. Yeah, man. It's been a while. But uh, thank you very much for having me. It's always a blast to talk with your buddies and uh, especially your podcast. It's awesome, man. I dig it. You got some oh, really thank cool you so much. on it. And uh, it's fun to talk with you. And man, look forward to seeing you in person again. I know. So I can't wait to go back to Vancouver. Dude, yeah, I'll, uh, we'll, we'll go to IHOP here, brother. <laughs> Sick, dude. We'll take care, buddy, and we'll talk soon. And for all my listeners, thanks for tuning in, and I will see you next week.